Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Austin, at Riding the Bench Podcast, and another week of the NFL season is in the books. Me and Justin, we dive into what to expect from the Indianapolis Colts going forward. We talk about the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC East. And lastly, we talk about Denver. Their offense still stinks, and we're going to figure out why. So let's do this. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of Riding the Bench. Let's get to it. the Riding the Bench podcast, home of the underachieving football player. Shout out to all the subpar athletes out there with a great mind for the game. This is your show, so whether you're listening on Apple, Spotify, or YouTube, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. That's right. And if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you are listening to us on so you can keep up with future episodes. With that, my name is Asif, your resident Eagle fan. Across the camera for me is my boy, Justin. And today... He, well, he's the resident Colts fan, let me not forget that part. And today we're going to kind of dive into what just happened in the past week of the NFL. We talk about the Colts, they came off a big victory. We'll talk about the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles and that Sunday night matchup. And what the hell happened with the Broncos, how they look, what that means for them going forward, etc, etc, etc. With that, Justin, let's dive into the Colts, huh? They came off a big victory against Jacksonville. Now they play against Tennessee, the Soul leader in the division. Big game for you guys. 3-2-1. It seems like the offensive woes, at least for this week, they figured something out. They got the running game going a little bit. Matt Ryan looked good. Alec Pierce has been sensational for you guys. Michael Pittman got some good uh, run-in. And guess what? A Parrish Campbell sighting. So that's really exciting to see. What say you? What do you expect for the Colts going forward? What does this mean for you guys? Well, I mean, how quickly things change, right? Yeah. Uh, anyone who listened to last week's show knew I was practically, what's the word? Not demoralized, Asif. I can't think of what the word is, but, you know, I guess neutral. <laughs> there, there, there's another word. I don't know what it is. <laughs> if you weren't, so, you'd be more apathetic if you weren't so lethargic last week. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Just, just very much, again, not demoralized. Maybe one day I'll think of the word. Point right, being right. is that 34 to 27 over Jacksonville, what a big thriller win. that was. What a completion to Alec Pierce at the end of that game. <clears throat> and just like that, 3-2-1. and one. Uh, Very, very interesting, Asif. You know, how, again, just how quickly it changed. For starters, let, let's give props to Matt Ryan. You have yeah. no Jonathan Taylor. You have no Naheem Hines. To come out and from the start of that game, and, and listen, I don't know play-by-play play what happened. It felt to me if they ran the ball twice in the first quarter with all the plays that they ran, that was a lot. Uh, right. 42 of 58, 398 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. I mean, Matt Ryan was absolutely sensational. They look and as good, I was man. saying last week, shows 
he can still play in this league for everyone who wants to say he's washed, so on and so forth, is what it is. Of course, it's one game he has mm-hmm. to deliver from here, but that's a good start. As you said, Paris Campbell, what about 11 targets for yeah. Paris Campbell? That had to feel good, man. That had to feel real good for Paris. That's what I was thinking Absolutely. throughout the course of that game. Obviously, we are all very excited about it as Colts fans. You know, when we came into the season, Asif, there were um, – you know, there were a lot of questions about the wide receiving core, and rightfully mm. so. Obviously, New Pittman was going to step up, as he did, 13 receptions. Um, with that, there were other guys that could step up, but just hadn't yet really done it. Pierce had been starting to come on a little bit, and we were looking at him as a guy who had, but it wasn't enough. And this week, on full display, this offense did uh, potentially a bit of an exaggerated version of what a lot of people were expecting out of them. Coming yeah. into the season, I mean, to, especially with no JT, I mean that is unreal. Yeah, it's a big so, time. It was a big time. So, someone tell me the last time Matt Ryan threw forty-eight passes, forty-two completions. This is the Indianapolis Colts. Forty-two completions is the most completions in a game in the history of this franchise. Incredible, actually. Isn't that unreal? <laughs> that's a that's actually phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, I mean that is that is insane. Now the yeah. question is. After what we had seen up to this point in the season, where the hell did that come from? Right? <laughs> yeah. I, I think question. that's what we need to sort out here at the end of the day, right? Um, and even as a Colts fan, I can tell you it doesn't make a lot of sense. So I can only imagine as to those who are just on the outside looking in, but I'm going to start with what I saw in this game that I think made the biggest difference offensively. The Jaguars, again, let me give them props. Trevor Lawrence, despite the fact that the pass rush looked great, I'll get into that. Mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence has really played some relatively mistake-free football against the Colts. I think maybe he's yeah. done five incompletions against us all season. So, I mean, he did what he had to do. It was just the, the defense was different, and again, the offense was, was just too much for most teams to handle. But for one, one of the things I like to see is that we got in rhythm early with the quick passing game. There yes. was no routes that needed a long time developed down the field with receivers that were struggling to get separation. This, I thought, allowed Matt Ryan to get into a rhythm, feel himself a little bit, get comfortable in the pocket, and you could see he was just throwing the timing looked better. The timing looked better. Yeah. And part of that also was the Colts made a change to put Dennis Kelly at left tackle. This is a guy who has starting experience in the past, even in our division. I believe he played for the Titans, mm-hmm. started for them for a little bit. He played just about 90% of the snaps, nearly all of them, 86%, some number. Did not allow a single sack in that game, so they're rolling with him coming into Tennessee. I would like to say, for those who have had questions about the way we have spent our draft picks and, and, and all of those things, how we don't have a quarterback of the future, thank God we traded a first-round pick to get to Forrest Buckner yes, absolutely. those years ago. Absolutely. He has been worth every bit of absolutely. that first-round pick that we gave up for him. Been a monster. Been absolute an absolute monster. monster. Set the tone. And quite frankly, I think without him, things would definitely be worse considering we haven't had Shaq Leonard, the fan, the man formerly known as Darius, but we call him Shaq. Yeah. <laughs> Respectfully so. Right, right. Buckner has really been the glue for a defensive front that I think is really starting to come along. And, you know, again, this Jacksonville offense for the most part, barring a bad game against Houston, but they are cursed in Houston. They've mm. dropped nine straight to Houston. Barring that game, this is a Jacksonville offense that's been very, very potent, you know, yeah. against against everybody, against everybody. So to come out in that game and for Alec Pierce to step up, I mean, 
it was awesome. So all of a sudden, going into week seven, despite the abysmal tie in Houston, despite the embarrassing shutout to the Jaguars, the Colts have a chance in week seven to claim first place of the AFC South with wins over the great and powerful Kansas City Chiefs, the lowly Broncos, and this up-and-coming Jaguars team. Yeah. And I must say, Asif, it feels fucking good. Going into yeah, last week, mm-hmm. going into last week, I was very much of the mindset. I said, okay, listen, no matter how bad it's been, and I had no reason to think it would get any better, that the season started today, today being last Thursday, against yeah. the Broncos. Since then, we're 2-0. and We're 2-0. So am I picking the Colts <clears throat> to win in Tennessee this week, Asif? If that offense comes out and plays like that, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you that right now. If there, if that offense yeah. can come out and play like that, and we'll see. This is early in the week when we're recording this. We'll see if it changes when we release it. Mm-hmm. But if Jonathan Taylor would play in that, I, to be honest, they threw the ball so well and basically ignored that Deion Jackson ten receptions. He, that kid he looks, is everything he looks we wanted Hines to be. And I hate to kick Hines while he's down. I wish him no. the best in his health. So on no, and he, so forth. He came and gave him a spark, that's for sure. Dean Jackson him. came in and gave us a spark. Would not be surprised after a showing like that when our offense clearly had its best game of the season to see Dion Jackson uh, maybe work into uh, some – I don't know because it's not like Dion Jackson was running out of the slot like Hines. But in terms of the backfield, if you ask me, knee-jerk reaction, maybe an overreaction, with Jonathan Taylor, if it's not him on the field, I want to see Dion Jackson. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely, man. It's been uh... – that was definitely that was definitely a great win for you guys. You needed to see that happen. They needed to see that happen. And like you said, uh, just to piggyback off your Deion Jackson point, he gave them a spark that I think they've been missing, and that kind of ignited the offense a little bit. They got the running game going a little bit in spots. Matt Ryan had options, you know, to check down to. And like you said, the quick passing game from the get go of the game. They got that, and good adjustment by them uh, because I think they've been trying to compensate for their lack of stretching the field by holding the ball and seeing if they can win 50-50 balls like deep down the field. But they're just like, you know what, screw it. Let's just get a rhythm going, and they did. So that's good by them. And uh, I mentioned to you last week, their offensive numbers as far as passing yards, they were moving the ball. It wasn't like they were like – it just like they weren't efficient. But today, I mean this week – they did everything under the sun that you needed to do as far as looking like a potent offense. So, um, goodbye, um, Alec Pierce, looking like uh, just like a really, really good wide receiver. Crazy that he's a rookie. Uh, he's just going to get better by the snap. And this defense, like you said, man, it's no joke. The first Buck, I mean, Buckner's an absolute, you know, stud. And then, till they get Shaq Leonard back, they have Gilmore, they have, you know, all these guys on defense, and it's a it's a legit unit. And if they come into Tennessee, and I think they are going to beat Tennessee because I think Tennessee's abysmal, but they go in, and all of a sudden they're number one in the division. And I don't know if they go into their bye after that, but uh, they go in, they go they go home. So they go from Tennessee back to Indianapolis to versus Washington, who presumably will not be led by um, okay, yeah, so I mean, they not presumably Wentz. they won't be led by Wentz. Presumably they'll be led by Heineke. But yeah. maybe we see uh, Sam, a little Sammy Howell. We'll see what goes maybe, on. Perhaps, there. perhaps. Yeah. So again, uh, so, and then yeah. So some of the schedule. So the games that they got, they got Tennessee, Washington. Then they play New England uh, with Zappy Poo, and then they go against the Ve- uh, Las Vegas Raiders. So um, 
it's it's a it's a decent stretch of games from that I think are winnable for them. So um, all of a sudden you may go into we we might be going into November and all of a sudden they're like a you know five and two and one or like a six two and one yep. type of team. So um, all of a sudden the Colts are starting to pick things up a little bit. Good job by Frank Reich. Now all of a sudden. He's getting a rhythm going as far as calling the offense now. So it's good to see. I'm happy for you. I'm glad you feel a lot less stressed about your team because uh, the, the NFL is better when the Colts are good. And I think right now the Colts have found something. And uh, once they get JT back, all of a sudden, this becomes an offense that's got like such a punch to it. And Such uh, a punch. Uh, assuming, listen, assuming they could seamlessly this, work yeah. in. Assuming that whatever they were doing in this game, they could seamlessly work in with Jonathan Taylor because they had practically didn't even pretend they were going to run, which is obviously different than what we'd expect from the offense with Taylor on the field. Yeah. Um, and also, let me just shout out, uh, Chase McLaughlin still hasn't missed a kick for the Colts. So No, he has not. What so, a god, honestly. Yeah, what a god. Yeah, no, it's a, no on, on all levels, man, uh, this is the first game on all levels you guys looked like really like a complete football team, the, t- the type of team that I think a lot of fans in Indy were expecting them to look like yeah. uh, at this point in the I, season. So, abs- Absolutely. Let's, let's hope they keep it up, man, because that's going uh, to be a fun team to watch, I think. It's going to be a real fun team to watch. Sure thing, sure thing. And I was so beefed up with dopamine during that game that I ended up falling asleep during the Philly game. So I want to talk to you about sure. that game, uh, of course. But before we do that, I do want to get a word in from – our partner. Oh, that's if... right. That's right. There it is. So, if you plan on betting on the games this weekend, listen up. If you're anything like me, you're always looking to get the most bang for your buck. And while, of course, you could place a bet on whatever sports book you want, what if I told you that your bet that's going to be plus 800 on one sports book would be plus 1200 on another bookie? That's a 50% increase on your potential winnings. You tell me, Asif. Which one would you want to bet on? I want to get the most bang for my buck, man. <laughs> you want to get the most good. bang for your buck? Well, guess yeah. what, Asif? That was yeah. true this Monday for Cortland Sutton's first touchdown. How about that? Did it hit? No, because the Broncos stink. But That's true. It could have. And when you have accounts with multiple sportsbook, it allows you to line shop, or in other words, compare the odds so you can find little bargains like that. Once you've opened those accounts with those different sports books, once you've diversified your sports book portfolio, if you will, that is where Betstamp comes in. As opposed to individually opening up each sports book, making a note of the odds, right? Going through the nightmare that you could imagine that might be. You just open up Betstamp, see all the odds in one place. Uh, and also, if I'll be honest with you, I think it's a really useful tool. And it's very I much agree. worth checking out for anyone that's betting on football on a weekly basis. I mean, this is something to have in your arsenal, you know? You yeah, can even absolutely. connect your accounts to BetStamp so that your wagers from each of your sportsbook automatically sync into the app. So do us both a favor. Why don't you download the BetStamp app, make an account for yourself, and use the promo code BENCH when you sign up. You'll be doing yourself a favor. You'll be doing us a favor. And you'll stop missing out on free money. All right. Absolutely, man. BetStamp's a great app, man. It really is a great app. And it's not Dude, just I'll tell you. No, and I'll tell you how I use it. I'll look at a, a, a specific outcome that I like for the week that I would want to start a parlay with. This is how I've been using it. Okay. So I'll essentially find the best odds for, like, my favorite leg that I'm going to build off of and then go place my parlay on the sports book with that. So I just get the best odds for the bet that you – know, do you know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, no, it makes sense. That's smart. That's a, that's a good way to go about. It. You have a base that you really, really like. You find the most value for that base, and then you build off of that. And the only way you'll be able to do that is by using bet stamps. So good for you, Justin. That's a very smart way to use bet stamps. Uh, and again, like you said, really download. It's just, it's just a good app to have. It's just a good app to use it's, if you it's, are into sports it's, betting. It's a free app that's literally going to find you more money if you're going to place the bet anyway. You know what I'm saying? It Absolutely. is what it is. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Regardless, for sure. regardless. As I said before, Asif, I did fall asleep during that Philly game. Uh, not quite because it was boring. Again, the day was just very eventful for me. I went 3-0 and in my fantasy leagues. Wow. Right? The well Colts done. won. And I smoked quite a bit of weed, Asif. So, needless to say, <laughs> it was an extremely, extremely tiring Sunday. Mm -hmm. But based off of what I had seen in the first quarter and a little bit of the second quarter, this was yeah. much of the same in terms of game flow from Philly this year. Mm -hmm. The only difference is, when Justin was asleep, perhaps I should stay awake during the Eagles games more often, when Justin yeah. was asleep, the Cowboys were able to make it close, at least on the scoreboard, right? Come back within right. three. I'm going to ask you a little bit more about the context of that. And then, sure. of course, Philly goes down and scores with, like, what, seven minutes left in the game? Mm -hmm. uh, and it was a wrap from there. But my question to you, Asif, is obviously, <clears throat> you know, one, I want to hear about what you felt you saw from the Eagles. But two... Are you at all worried in a game like that that if the Cowboys had Dak playing that they could have won? And with a 4-2 and two record and Dak coming back to what we think, many of us think, is this week coming up, does Dallas still have a realistic shot at this thing in the NFC East? Um, well, let me answer the second question first uh, as far as their chances to win the NFC East. Um, I'm going to say no because I think <laughs> that, win, no. that win Sunday night for Philadelphia, I think – is a virtual lock for them to have the one seed in the NFC. I think that was a really important game for Philadelphia, and that's based on not only the fact that they're undefeated, but also their strength of schedule. Um, a lot of the teams that they play coming out of their bye, it's Pittsburgh, Houston, Washington. They do play Indianapolis. Green Bay, who's not looking very good right now, Tennessee. Right, So a lot of these are winnable games, and I think they're favored to win those games until, like, uh, until the start of this, basically December. Um, so I think the gap is too much considering that Dallas just took a loss to them. Washington's nothing. We haven't played the Giants yet, so I think that's going to be an important game for us too. But as far as them securing the NFC East, I don't think they'll make up the ground. Um, and then as far as the game flow, I'll be honest with you, Jay. I didn't, I, I wasn't, it was an important game for us, but I also wasn't expecting Dallas to make anything of it. Um, I went into the game with extreme confidence that we would come in and take care of business, and I thought for the most part we did. Um, I still have the questions about why Philly kind of lets teams hang around a little bit. They take their foot off the gas a little bit. They let them come back, and then when they need to have a punch and drive, they get the punch and drive, or if they need that turnover, they get the turnover, right? So... Um, Dallas did make it a three-point game, but there was no panic. There was no ounce of doubt that I had that, okay, Philly's going to turn this up now because when it came down to it, we took care – when we needed the score, we, we scored, and then when, when we needed to force the turnover, we got the turnover that we needed. And as far as when Dak Prescott comes back, 
Let's see how he looks against Detroit if he does come back against Detroit first. I'm curious to see how he's going to look. Even though it's a thumb injury and people don't think much of it, it's an important injury in the throwing hand. Let's see how he looks throwing the ball. And let's see how much the offense changes with him at the helm because they may just change the play calling completely because you never know with Dallas. Um, and as far as them saying, oh, if we had Dak Prescott on that game, we would have made it much more of a closer game. We probably would have won that game. I would say... Could have, could have, could have won the game, that's all. Could have, yeah, could have won the game. But, well, you know, again, Dak Prescott is better than Cooper Rush, so there's no doubt about that. Um, I would say this, though. For the past four weeks, I've been hearing that Cooper Rush has been the guy to play mistake-free football, that they rely on this defense and this running game, and that's the new Dallas Cowboy look, right? That's, that's what they're going to hang their hat on to win football games. And... I think Philadelphia came in and they took out Dallas's most explosive weapon on the team. And that was Micah Parsons, virtually a non-factor in the game in terms of pressuring the quarterback. They went after him all game long. And when Lane Johnson was in the game, virtually had him one-on-one -on -one and Micah Parsons could not do anything with Lane Johnson. And he got a concussion basically at the end of the second quarter. And then all of a sudden, Dallas starts to come back a little bit. But then Philly punches him in the mouth. So I think with a fully healthy squad, Philadelphia, I think it's clear that they're the best team in the NFC. And I think what we need to do now as a league, you don't have to say they're the best team in the NFL. Because I get you got Buffalo, you got Kansas City. But we need to stop the doubting of Philadelphia in the NFC because they have done nothing at all this year to prove that they're not the class of the NFC as of right now. In every which way you want them to win football games, they have done it. They've done it in blowouts. They've done it in shootouts. They've done it running the ball. They've done it with defense. They've done it with special teams. You name it, they have done it. I don't know why there's still questions at least for the regular season, about the Philadelphia Eagles or why there's doubt that they won't win the division. It's beyond me. doesn't make sense to me. And I think by the end of the year, we're going to be like, okay, that was a silly conversation for us to have uh, because I think they're clearly going to be the one seed in the NFC. But Well, that sounded great. Uh, I don't believe it has as much merit as you're making it sound like it does. Keep in mind that the Cowboys are four and two and were undefeated with their backup quarterback coming into this game. That's a defense that's the real no, that's deal. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. And I'm simply playing devil's advocate to you here too. If you put a gun to my head, I'm gonna probably take Philly to win the division. But let's not pretend that the Eagles are so above blowing a two game lead and then losing the next game to Dallas. I mean, let's be real. Am I wrong mm -hmm. about that? Uh again, I'm only saying that I'm only saying no. Just because of the strength of schedule that they got, well, dude. Because you're an Eagles fan, and that's fine. And that's well. Oh. Let me ask you objectively: They play Pittsburgh off their bye, then they go to Houston, then they play Washington, they play Indianapolis in Indy, then they go, then they play Green Bay, Tennessee, and then they play at the Giants again. So what week basically, is that? when is that? That's in December. Who cares? At New York. Who cares about the games in December? Listen, at the no, end but of the I'm day, saying, I'm saying, I, I, well, let me ask you: Do you think that they lose uh, two or three of those games from week eight to week fourteen? Maybe. 
I don't know. I'm, I'm, they, I'm, I'm they saying could. No. It's, it's I'm obviously saying, I, I don't now. think they're going to go undefeated. I don't think they'll go undefeated, but Obvious. I don't think they're going to lose three games because Dallas has to not only win two, not, not only has to tie Philadelphia in record, but they have to also make up the gun. They also have to beat Philadelphia again later Let, on in the season. So here's two, um, here's two things I need to see because when I think about being the best team in the league, one of the things I think that's very important is adversity. <laughs> and just as sure. you said before, Quite frankly, even if Dallas made it close, I'm going to take your word for it from what you said before, is that they basically handled business and you never really felt like they were at much of risk of losing the game anyway. When you Mm -hmm. look at that, I'm sure you're very grateful to have Darius Slay. We could talk about that whenever you like. He's one of my favorite players to watch on the defensive side of the football in this league. But when you look at this game, and answer me honestly, and again, I didn't watch it, so for all I know, the context wouldn't have changed the outcome. When you look at the fact that Cooper Rush had three turnovers in this game or three interceptions, mm-hmm. and you put Dak in there, and let's say he only had one or he had zero. Do you think that those turnovers would have changed the outcome of this game? Because um, they ran the ball well, Dallas. It's not like they, they were having did. a tough – they didn't really have an incredibly tough time doing what they wanted to do in terms of moving the ball, right? And obviously Philly, to my knowledge, correct me if I'm wrong, has been forcing quite a bit of turnovers this year. Yeah. So it's not like this is something new just for Cooper Rush, but presumably Dak does better. You have mm-hmm. the announcers. The announcers, I didn't watch Dak throw the football pregame. The announcers saying they did, and they're saying, quite frankly, it looks like he could play this week. That is what they said. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, that changes in the game. As for you asking me about the games later in the season about Philadelphia, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I can't make a very, you know, a very Last grounded pair. argument okay. against them being yeah. undefeated. But it's still early enough in the season where it's a two-game lead and Dallas has another shot at Philly with Dak coming back. I think they're better than we all expected them to be. I don't want to build up Dallas as -hmm. some sort of Super Bowl contender. But at the end of the day, let's see Philly beat the two best teams in the division. One Dak with with Dak, obviously Mm -hmm. the Cowboys with Dak. Not saying they can't. Just want to see it. I got you. I want to see it. I get it. Let's see them versus the Giants. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, let's see them in a game where somebody fucking makes them play their game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You can't keep that up for a 17-game schedule in and through the playoffs. At the end of the day, they're going to have to be battle-tested. And if I were you, quite frankly, as a fan, I'd want it to come sooner than later. And, and I, we'll see how they fare in that yeah. situation. But until then, I'm not going to say they're not the best team in the NFL, but I'm certainly not ooing and eyeing over them being it. Right, well, I'm not saying they're the best team in the NFL. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying as far as the NFC goes, I think they're the top team in the NFC because there are people saying once Dak Prescott comes back that Dallas is going to be the class of the NFC. I disagree. And as far as um, the games into like December and stuff, I only say that they don't that they will not win the division because I just don't see Philadelphia going on a stretch where they all of a sudden lose two of three or like two or like three of two or four or five or something like that. You know what I'm saying? I just don't see this uh, until the Colts game. I don't see a game that they have a real shot at losing. And at that point, let's see. how. Well, we, let, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see. I don't want to coming off the bye week. Uh, you know, that's the Steelers are a team. Obviously they're not very good, but with yeah. Mike Tomlin coaching and, and, you know, just what they've established over there, they can beat anyone. Obviously Philly's better at football than the Steelers, but mm-hmm. With that, you're probably going to have a lot of Steelers fans at that game, right? So it's not like it's going to be an incredible home field advantage for Philly, presumably. Yeah. Uh, That's a game that they're very much capable of losing right there, right out of the bye week. The Texans, meh. The Commanders, likely not. And then you have the Colts. So now you're looking at a 2-2 and stretch. And I'm not looking at Dallas' schedule, but who knows how they come out of that. I'm just saying. It's right there. It's Right. right there. 
And yeah, they got... we, at least for the sake of the Eagles, mm-hmm. they get Dallas in week 17. And as long as the Eagles have their starters in, as an Eagles fan, I'd feel pretty good. Yeah. Just given and that, Dallas's and history. And again, that's my point, too, because... But let's um, not forget that last year, Dallas, sorry to just keep interrupting here. Yeah, no, forget, even with Garner Minshew, Dallas, we were there, absolutely beat the brakes off of Philly. Right. At the end of the yeah. season. No, and that's fair. That's fair. And that's that's also because, you know, Philadelphia literally played their second and third stringers. But, yes, they were the better team last year, and there's no denying that. I'm not going to, you know, I, I, again, I don't want to poo-poo Dallas because I've given them their flowers, and they've been better than I thought, and they're playing good football. Um, but, again, we came into this game, and everyone was saying that the, way, the reason the Dallas Cowboys have been winning is because this defense has been special. And because Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs have been nothing short of sensational this year. And I thought in this game, we did exactly what we needed to do against them and basically took Micah Parsons out of the game. And that's the thing that I don't think Dallas will have an answer for, even with Dak Prescott coming back. Because despite that, despite the elite offense that he may bring and stuff like that, they want to rely on this defense because that's what makes this team different this year. And that's what everybody has been talking about with Dallas. That's the reason they won four games without Dak Prescott. It's because of this running game and this defense. And if you come into Philadelphia and your best defensive player and your second best defensive player and basically Landon Vandress, their third defensive player that's well, most talented, were virtually taken out of the game, that's a problem, I think, for the, for the Dallas Cowboys. And if Philadelphia has a healthy offensive line, they control the trenches. And I think Philadelphia's front seven is nothing short of elite. And then we already know what the deal is in the back forward. Big play slay, James Bradbury and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Those guys have just been absolutely ball, have been absolute ball hawks. They don't let up any completions. And we haven't even started to really blitz teams yet. And I think once we start to put our foot to the pedal, we might see a a more explosive defense. And Jalen Hurts, again, doesn't turn the ball over. We're plus 14 in turnover differential. I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. So um, we'll just have to wait and see, I'll, though. I'll, because, yeah, no, yeah. and I'll, gra- I'll, I'll grant you all of that. I'll grant you all of that. But just to put yeah. a little pause on Jalen Hurts, as I said before, let's see him protect the ball when they're forced to win it on that's his fine. arm from behind, and, and let's see how it, the decision-making goes from there. He has shown me nothing, per se, that would make me think otherwise, but at the same time, in those situations, I haven't seen anything. So because we, we just haven't seen them. Right, so, that's fair. I mean, the closest thing we, the closest thing we saw to that was the fourteen zero lead against Jacksonville. That's when they when they were down fourteen, and again, that was like sure. in a monsoon. So that's kind of why people aren't really giving that too much credence to that. But I get what you mean, and I I really and just to play, you know, just to be an objective fan, there is one thing that I really want Philadelphia to do against the teams that they should be winning, and like. Granted, they got the win. It's great. But I really want to see them step on these teams' throats. Like, I really want to see them have an explosive night where there's no doubt. Where we can come in and be like, wow, Philadelphia 35 and the other team only scores like 13 or 14. Where it's clear cut, no doubt about like we did, Like we saw with Minnesota. Sure. I want more wins like that on a consistent basis. Because I think that only then will people really sit back and say, oh, wow. This team's for real, even though we haven't taken a loss yet. So, but sure. I get it. I want you, you want to see it to believe it more so. I get it. So, but we'll just have to wait and see. Sure, sure, sure. All so right. And that would obviously bring us into the final bit of the show here. Of we're going to talk about that Monday night game we record on a Tuesday, and yeah. we release this perhaps on a Wednesday. This is freshest in our minds. So, how okay. about this game 
right here. Denver at LA. This obviously had huge implications in the NFC, rather the AFC West. Yeah. Anyone who's been watching our show or following our Instagram page for some time knows that you know we're pretty heavy on the Broncos coming into this season. You know. Yeah. No, um, no hiding from that. No backpedaling from that. But when you no. look at them in this game. I mean, they started off so promising. Um, after that shoulder surgery, man, Russ, you know, looked like he was about to get into the kitchen, right? He looked like he was about to cook. Yeah, he looked and like well, he looked a, like Seattle Russ. He looked like Seattle. Facts. And then yeah. all of a sudden, I don't know yeah. what happened. He, he lost his appetite. He said, you know what? Never mind. I'm not going to make myself a meal. Uh, and this is now the second week in a row where they've basically had every chance in the world to win a game. Uh, I mean, like neither team wanted it. Right. Yeah. So yeah, in it, fairness it, it to the Broncos, the, the the Chargers, you could flip it around from that perspective, and you could you could do it the same way. Every chance in the world to win it. I mean, Herbert threw it fifty-seven times. They were only able to put up sixteen in regulation. Right. Yeah. Testament to the defense up, in Denver. Of course, a spectacular defense, and that's what's keeping them even remotely alive. If that's what we call two and four. So they ended up being in the exact same situation overtime, a game where no one wants to win the game. Right. <laughs> Just yeah. like Indy. To be real, and this is the team I was high on. Yeah. I wanted to place a bet for them to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl, so on and so forth. When you look at a division like the AFC West that obviously has talent, when you look at the fact that many of us view the AFC as the better of the two conferences, it's just hard to picture a team that would lose that game at home against Indy and then lose that game last night after coming up to a 10-0 lead. And again, they really just had to do what they do. Hard to imagine them making the playoffs, even though it's early, even though they're not mathematically eliminated. Um, yeah. I'm just trying to make sense of it. I think they're the worst team in the AFC West. Uh, I don't think it's – I wouldn't say it's not particularly close, but they're the worst team in the AFC West. So I want to flip it around to you, Asif. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to ask, I mean, what do you make of it? The o- offense has been putrid. What do you think is the issue? Do you think it's one thing? Can it be pinned down to one thing? A collection? I mean, I'm curious. Dude, I, I've got, I've, I can't figure it out. I honestly have no clue, bro. They're, they're terrible in the red zone. They're 32nd in the red zone efficiency. They're the worst team as far as points per game. Russ has been not great, not good at all. Um, only five touchdowns on the year, three picks. Like, the guy has not been good and this is a guy that is like we were saying he was a top five qb all summer long and we which thought, quite frankly hey, I, I feel a... i feel embarrassed about uh, yeah because this guy looks absolutely putrid looks terrible looks like he has no clue what he's doing on the field that's what it looks like and here's the worst part of it all here's the worst part of it all he started the game 10 for 10 for like 130 yards in a tub. Unreal. He looked sensational coming out the gate. And I'm like, okay, this is what they signed up for. So let me say this, Justin. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's Nathaniel Hackett. I don't know if it's him. But something with those two just seem off. They don't trust each other at all. You saw it in week one. Nathaniel Hackett did not trust... Russell Wilson to convert the fourth and five against Seattle. And he went for like a 65 yard kick. Right. Yep. Then the week after that, Russell Wilson just played terrible, looks awful. And then in, the, and then like this game, it just seems like 
after the first drive where he started doing the bootlegs, they got got him moving and stuff, getting him out of the pocket, he started scrambling a little bit. He looked like the real Russ that we all have known and said, wow, this is like an elite quarterback. He looked like that. And then all of a sudden, the play calling changed where, oh, we're not going to have him scramble out as much. We're going to go back to the screen game. We're going to try to keep him in the pocket and try to, you know, throw the ball from there. And then all of a sudden, the offense died out. And I don't know who to blame. I don't know if it's play calling because I think – I said it after like week two or three. I don't think Nathaniel Hackett's going to be the guy. And honestly, if this keeps up, by the end of this year, he's going to get the boot because he's not signing – he didn't sign a six-year, $250 million contract. Like, Facts. you know what I'm saying? So, like, whether it's fair or not, he's going to get the boot if this keeps up. And it looks like he is over his head in terms of situational football because, you know, Russ doesn't seem like he knows what he's doing as far as awareness. This guy, the, the worst awareness I've seen in the NFL, it almost makes it – I almost have to apologize to Aaron Rodgers. I'm critical of Aaron Rodgers for being a douchebag. But boy, oh boy, does Russ take the cake this year. This guy has no awareness of what the hell is going on with his football team. It has been so incredibly, and again, as someone who's always liked Russ, I um, love Russ. Love Russ. He has, he has become tremendously dislikable. Yeah. This season. Yeah. Um, and I find myself defending him often, but he's become very, very dislikable, and it's just hard to not think he looks silly. Um, for all the things he said about Seattle, with the way Seattle's offense is is going, with Geno Smith at the helm right <laughs> now, who has been. Light years better than Russell Wilson. Yeah. Um, it's it's weird, and I mean the the talent they haven't been able to establish the running game very much. That's there. Obviously, the pass protection hasn't been great. Russ does hold on to it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and with that, I feel like in the past when he holds on to it, we're accustomed to seeing him create some plays. Yeah. Where is all of it? It was there early in the game. I mean that's that drive, that that touchdown drive is what that was. Well, that's that was vintage saying. Russ. That's what's mind boggling about this. It's, he's capable of doing it. Like he, honestly, you want to know what I think now? You know, like I think Monday night officially sealed it for you. You're gonna probably think it's blasphemy, and maybe people who listen will think it's blasphemy. Do you think he's sabotaging this year so he can get a different coach? I don't know. That he has I, to. I don't... He has to because it's that's letting him off the hook. Me. That's letting him off the hook tremendously. I know. There are I times, know, but like there are like, times, the, like, we've seen it. We've seen like week one, he threw for three forty, and it looked like okay, the offense is moving. They're just not converting in the red zone. That's one thing. Then we see him against the Raiders, building a comeback, and all. And you know that was the best game that he had all year. This first quarter, ten for ten, one thirty, scrambling out the pocket, looked great, looked like the old rush, and we're like, this is what we were paying to see. And then he completed three passes basically for the rest of the game. Awful. Yeah. I, like, I, I know. It's, it's and, inexplicable how you go from elite quarterback, top seven, top five, wherever you want to call him, an elite quarterback, to all of a sudden the bottom rung of the league in one offseason? It makes awesome. no sense. It makes zero sense. And I can't figure it out. I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know what the hell's going on in his life. I, it makes no it – can't, it can't be coaching. Nathaniel Hackett, I don't think he made. I don't think he may have deserved the job per se. But I know he ain't that bad. He ain't that bad well, of a coach. Well, you know I think what I'm one saying? of the things like, you can't be. No, no. I think one of the things you see though with the Broncos, and again, I would like to point out 
that despite how bad it has been for the Broncos, yeah. look at obviously we were just talking about the Colts earlier and what happened this week against Jacksonville, and all of a sudden, poof, gone like that, right? So Denver still has a chance to make that happen somewhere along the way. I yeah. at least believe that they have the players to get it done. They certainly have for the Cortland Sutton. They certainly have the defense to do it. If not Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, then who do you need at receiver? For Cortland Sutton to only be targeted three times in this game in a day where you can't complete anything is beyond honestly me. It's beyond me. It's a bit. It's absolutely abysmal. <laughs> and the, they don't do anything again. Bring it back to the Colts one more time because yeah. the two teams struggling the same way. What's one thing that the Colts did this week? What they both, them and Denver, both had the eleven day or whatever it is turnaround, eleven day turnaround. Yeah. The Colts said, "Okay, if we can't protect, if these routes down the field aren't developing, let's scheme up some quick passes here." Mm-hmm. Where is all that in Denver? What is yeah. going on? I feel like he always has to hold the ball, and quite frankly, it seems that there's times. There's a couple games this season I could think of one pass to KJ Hamler in the. Oh, I forget. Point being is that there's been some plays that were really just placed wrong in terms of passes that could have blown open the game. So you obviously have to put it on Russ because he hasn't been his best, and I've seen that firsthand. And it just seems like, I don't know, if him and those receivers are not on the same page. And I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is at all because there was certainly never an issue ever with him getting the ball to Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. In fact, most people would agree that both of those guys, we all thought, were better versions of themselves because yeah. they had Russell Wilson at quarterback. In fact, mo- anyone who watched football over yeah. the course of the past five years would have a tough time debating that. That DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett outperformed what many people think they could or would with Russell Wilson at quarterback. And to see Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, in my opinion, while not as proven, all the bit is talented, yeah. be there. And it just seems like Russ... The same way he would give DK those single-chance co- uh, options. The same way he would get that ball to Tyler Lockett down the field and just give him a chance. Asif, I don't see where it is. Yeah. And I don't know what's, I don't know what's happened to the man. I really have no clue what's happened to the man. I don't, I, but I, he I'm does just... almost seem, as well, may I add, he seems completely aloof about it. Yeah. He goes he to the sideline. He got his money. Not, 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 that I'm, like. uh, not that I'm sitting here calling for profanity or anything like that. You yeah, know yeah. what I'm saying? But how many times I could see them have a million drives where they don't move the ball, and every time Russ walks to the sideline, never looks aggravated. He looks neutral, straight face, takes off his helmet, like let's go to the next drive. Like where's the fire? You yeah. know what I'm saying? The amount of primetime games that Denver has played and has won been an absolute fucking atrocity for everyone that likes watching primetime football. But two, and more importantly, and more to my point about what I'm saying about Russ, mm-hmm. is that it was indicative of the expectations of this football team coming into this season. Yeah. And they are wildly disappointing. And Russ, quite frankly, just doesn't seem to doesn't seem to care. And I don't know what I want because I don't want to. Obviously, I don't. I'm sure he trains hard. I'm sure he practices hard. I'm sure he's doing everything he's supposed to be doing behind the scenes. Yeah. But I I don't know what I'm looking for out of him in, in terms of some sort of fire on the sideline or in the well, media, but. It just something's missing there, dude. Yeah. Um. Well, to respond to the fire, like the, the fire in your belly point, I don't think he was ever the guy to be like that rah rah type of dude, right? You even look when he was in Seattle, he had Pete Carroll, he had Richard Sherman, Michael Bennett, Cam Chet, all these Marshawn Lynch, all these guys that had really big personalities around him. 
and he was kind of the calming force that kind of made sure everybody was like in their lane, so to speak, right? Sure. In Denver, point. I think they were looking for him to be like, listen, you're the fire starter now. You need to be the guy. You wanted to be the guy that say, let's Russ cook. But I don't think, I think the most authentic version of himself, ironically, is him on the on the sideline. I think that's actually who he is. Just very, very mellow, very, you know, non-assuming, like you said, aloof. I think that's who he is, and I think that's part of the reason why when we look at Russ in the past, and he has those four interception games, but he comes back uh, with a late game drive to score the touchdown, that's the reason why he has those type of drives. It's because he's aloof. It's because he leaves things in the past, and he goes and just looks at the next play. I think Denver, what they need to do, they need to either establish, maybe they need someone on defense to be the fire starter for them, to be that rah-rah type of guy. Maybe... At the end of this year, and I think this is what's going to most likely be, I think they are going to get rid of Hackett and bring someone with a little bit more personality. I don't want to keep saying the guy's name, but maybe a guy like Rex Ryan, someone like that who has like a really, really like vibrant energy for, for, for the locker room. I think someone like that may need to step into the building. New ownership, new management. They wanted to pull the trigger on Russ. Russ got his money, and he looks content. And he looks content but with that. And I think someone needs to light a fire under this team. And I don't know if they're going to get that this year. I really don't, now, I don't think he's going to provide it. But now here's the, um, here's, I suppose one question. There's a, a couple things to unpack in what you just said. Uh, but I'll start just quickly on the Rex Ryan point. Yeah. Let's say hypothetically speaking, Rex Ryan. And I do want to come back to another point after this. So I don't yeah. want this to turn into a whole separate thing per se. That's fine. But if Rex Ryan were to come back hypothetically, obviously he's a raw, raw guy. Pete Carroll, very much a motivator himself. Mm -hmm. Many. Uh, that being said, didn't always click with all of his guys, clearly. That's why it's a fair. lot of those That's why he's not, yeah. Uh, again, I don't think Pete Carroll, with the unit he had in that Super Bowl, ever recovered from throwing the ball in that situation. That is what it is in terms with his uh, cachet with those guys. But Rex Ryan coming in with what he's going to want to do with that team offensively. Doesn't Russ find himself in the same situation he wanted out of in Seattle? Yes, but it's been so bad. He has no leverage. The thing with Seattle, the thing, the thing with Seattle was, he was playing at such an elite level where we thought, hey, would you rather have Aaron Rodgers' career or Russell Wilson's career? Would you rather have Russell Wilson's career or Drew Brees' career? Like, we were putting him in that sort of category where we were talking about all-time quarterbacks. But well, this year, he's played – he's done everything that, to, to absolutely disqualify him from wanting to, to, to be the chef in the kitchen. You know what I'm saying? So I don't think he's coming in with leverage. And maybe you're right. Maybe it becomes it's, more of a problem with him. Uh, but it's not a, It's not per se about the leverage or anything like that, I suppose. It's just if a guy's not going to click with someone, he's not going to click with someone. That's his mm. offensive. Obviously, no leverage. You're right. But then as what you were just bringing up about Aaron Rodgers versus Russell Wilson, who would you rather have his career? Yeah. That's a great segue into my question. Yeah. This is a guy that's still 33 years of age, which maybe once upon a time, really, as far as I can remember, has never been considered incredibly old for a quarterback. Mm. For quite a while now, 33 was that final elite stretch of your career. Yeah. This is a guy who says he wants to finish in Denver. Yeah. If Russ were to, from at this point in his career, it be something like this for the next five years in Denver, what exactly does that do to his legacy? Obviously, he had the dynasty in Seattle. But how does that change, kind of, you know, how he's viewed in the all-time rankings? I don't think anyone was accusing him of being a top-five guy, but he certainly was simply held in high regard yeah. and was probably getting a bunch of credit. Uh, I'm not saying that, obviously, he deserved the credit, 
but really was relatively unfazed and untouchable in, in terms of his winning intangibles. No one ever questioned it because he was with Seattle. Now you're going to have a second half of his career, hypothetically, where mm-hmm. he doesn't deliver. What does that do? Honestly, it might, it, it might take a hit, man. It really might just take a hit. If Eric, like, because we say this about Aaron Rodgers too. Every, everyone says Aaron Rodgers' legacy has taken a hit in terms of what he's ranked at as like an all-time sure. quarterback because he hasn't been back to a Super Bowl. Russell Wilson's at least been to two, so I guess you can't take that away from him. But if the if he continues this type of play, sure, it's one thing to not win in Denver. Okay, like you can go in there play good football and just not win because other teams are better than you. I don't think people are going to kill him for that. But to come into Denver with the expectation that you had and put up numbers the way you're doing and look the way you are and show the lack of awareness and the lack of just like this, like almost self-respect in terms of as a football player, the lack of respect you have for your teammates and the locker room and what this team is trying to do and what the expectation was is, I think, unforgivable. It's unforgivable. No one, there is no quarterback a, you can accuse fairness, that. Huh? Yeah. I think, that's a, I think that's a bit of a leap, Asif. No, I'm saying, I'm saying if he continues play like this, because yes, for the next five years. If he continues this for the yeah. next five years, it's unforgivable. It's unforgivable. Sure, well, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So, like, yeah. So, like, if he just continues this, it's unforgivable. But, I just, I just want, to, I just want to prevent us from making unfounded statements about his character that we. No, don't no, no, no. That's yet. not what I'm saying. I'm yeah. just saying if yeah. he comes, yeah. I'm, talk, I'm, I'm strictly talking about his play. I'm strictly talking about his play because his play sure. is terrible. I think he's just been, I think he's been, <laughs> just, you know, his play yeah. has just been awful, yeah. right? So, like, but if he yeah. continues this with the level of expectation that they had, it's unforgivable as a football player. It just is, and like it has to be taken into account. And I think his legacy will take a hit if it continues this way. But as a Russell Wilson fan. I still believe he will figure it out because I've seen glimpses of it this year. I still think it's in him. I don't know what it's going to take to get it out of him, but whatever the hell it is, they better figure it out soon because, you know, I'm tired of hearing Broncos country let's ride. I'm tired of hearing it. It's, it's annoying. It's stupid. It's dumb. Russ, just wake up, man. Just be the quarterback that you've been for the past 10 years. Just be that guy and everything else will be fine. I don't, I, I don't, yeah, I, I, mean, I can't I, explain I, it. I don't man. know. I, I don't, I don't know. And with that much money, it, it's tough. Cause you know, maybe in some situations to motivate a quarterback on a day that you're struggling, you would toss him on the bench, but you can't put out a believable bluff that you're going to fucking actually bench Russell Wilson. For Brett Rypien, or I don't know. Yeah, I don't even know the how the backup is. No, kudos, that's the only guy that's the only for knowing and looking it up. Because I was, I was about to say, I slipped in a little bit of Google search yeah. here. For those of you watching, maybe you saw me looking down. For those of you listening, hmm, I snuck it right past you. Yeah. Point being is that they're even if in the middle of a game he got benched for that guy, there's no risk of him not having the job next week. Yeah. So if if this is simply on him, in terms of I. I a, a, some level of complacency, obviously, generally speaking, because we don't really know. If this is on him, on some level of complacency, they really don't have a, they don't have a move. You know no, what I'm saying? No. The Broncos don't have a move that they can make right now that's really going to do anything about it. Yeah. So we'll see. If it's simply a case of it's just taking a while for people to get on the same page, then so be it. Uh, Dude, it's, six, it's seven weeks it in the sh- season, man. I know all I'm saying is that the Colts were terrible the entire season. All of a sudden just came out, had an offensive explosion. Yeah, but it is. I know it is what it is, but like it wasn't to the point where 
the team was, was turning on the quarterback. Your team didn't turn on Matt Ryan. This team is turning on, I think they're eventually it's going to be their coach, but I think they're turning on Russell Wilson. They're like, what the hell are we getting here? Like, this looks awful. You, Ma- and Matt you can Ryan see the frustration what? from the receivers on yeah, the sideline. As bad as the Colts offense was in the beginning of the year, you didn't look at Matt Ryan's side eye and be like, wow, you ain't got it no more. It wasn't that. It was just like, wow, this is like really, really anemic. But like receivers, players were looking at him like, do you even want it? Do you have it anymore? And he just seems very nonchalant about like the Like he has nothing thing. left to prove. And it's beyond me. It's beyond me. I don't and listen, get it. Maybe, maybe he doesn't. Maybe to himself he doesn't. And at the end of the day, we could sit here, Russell Wilson... Uh, at least in this segment, maybe one day, is never going to hear us speak about this. That's you know fine. what I'm saying? I yeah. doubt he listens to it, according to Marshawn Lynch, not to take an entire interview and make it like Marshawn was trashing him. He wasn't. No, Marshawn he wasn't, Lynch yeah. is on record saying that he will have to contact his manager to get in touch with him. For Christ's sake, this is Marshawn Lynch. But, but isn't that so, part of the problem? Isn't that yes. part of the problem with Russ? It seems, like, it right seems there. to be. Like, that sums it up, doesn't it? Doesn't that it just sum it up be. for you? It seems to be. It yeah. seems to be. We'll see how this goes going forward. Obviously, we were pretty heavily invested in covering the Broncos this year based yeah. off of our preseason. Uh, and, and that's what that was. Uh, I guess before we get into the end of the show and wrap this thing up, yeah. quick shout out to the Jets. Uh, we're yes, gonna sir. We're going to have to talk about them eventually. We don't want to go far over time today. But interesting. Uh, I suppose a question for you on the other end, if you made it this far, if you made it to the end of the episode, answer in the comments. Do you think that this game from this week with the Jets and the Packers was more good Jets or bad Packers? Right? It's a valid good question. question. It's a good it's a question. question. Generate yeah. a little bit of engagement here. With that, Asif, I believe that's all she wrote, right? Mm-hmm. I got nothing else. So thank you so much for listening today. After all, no matter how many times we do this, no matter how damn good we are getting at it, Asif, without the person on the other end, there is literally no show at all. You, on the other end, hold the keys to the show's success. That's right. And if you like what you heard, you could subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We're also on YouTube for our video watchers out there. So hit subscribe there to keep up with future episodes. We also have an Instagram page at the Riding the Bench Podcast with a K instead of C in the word podcast. And if you're already a subscriber on those full-length episodes, if you're already following us on Instagram and you're looking for another way to help us grow the show, we'd ask that you leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to the audio version on or just leave a thumbs up on YouTube if you're watching the video. That's right. And last of all, if you've done all those things and you like me and Justin and you want to help us out just one more thing, Share this podcast with one person that you know loves the NFL just as much as I do, just as much as Justin does, just as much as you do. Because that would really help the show and really help us build something here with all of the bench warmers that listen to us on a weekly basis. So with that, Justin, and, my and, name is and, Asif. And, and, and Asif. Yeah. Oh, sorry. So, whoa, yes. whoa, whoa. And by the way, for you listening, uh, don't forget, I know it was a bit earlier in the episode, perhaps if you're really, 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 really looking to help us out, you can download that BetStamp app and sign up using promo code BENCH. Simple word, B as in boy, E, N as in Nancy. Yes, very good. <laughs> C-H, BENCH, and that is all. 
Spelling Bee champ Justin's on the other side of the camera. As the Colts fan, I am your Eagles fan, Asif. We will see you back here at Riding the Bench next time. Ayo.